I won more premierships alone than the other he 19 managers. He has created an absolute Boys, we are here to rant. James, we have to do justice before we just slide right into the top four. I didn't want to get off track. This, this is one of the best title races of all time. Good afternoon, and Patrick. You're in a really heated race to finish in the top four. And you trot out a B team. What do they need? What on earth? I don't have an option. I'm talking World Wow. Welcome. Welcome. To Prem de la Prem. Welcome back to Prem de la Prem. We've got a little something different for you guys today. That's right. We reeled in our first big fish. Steve Nottingham, Leicester City fan, has joined us for our roundtable summer series. Uh, really interesting chat with him. He's got a unique perspective being an, uh, an academy product himself from Leicester. Um, we talked to him a bit about his experience there and also how he's transitioned from from player to fan and and a little bit of the inside scoop on how he views his beloved Lester going into next season. Really fun one. Hope you guys enjoy it. Welcome on a new guest to the Prem de la Prem Summer Roundtable Series. It is Leicester fan, Steve Nottingham. How are you doing, Steve? Great, thanks. How are you guys doing? Doing well. It's great to have you on. And I think just from catching up with you before we got on, I have to ask, for the marketing reasons of the podcast, would it be accurate to say former Leicester player Steve Nottingham joins Prem de la Prem? It would be probably a gross exaggeration, but true enough that you could probably use it in the, in the US for sure. The sun, the sun would print it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, that's on our that, threshold. That's our yeah. bar anyway. So, on that, I, I would love for you to give us and, and and the listeners just a little bit of color on on your background and how I came to make that joke. <laughs> well, thanks. Yeah, um, you know, Leicester was always a um, a strong club in our household. My my brother was a season ticket holder from a very young age, and my mom has subsequently been probably a fifteen year season holder, but. When I was 12, I actually went to play after a brief stint at the great Wolverhampton Wanderers. I, I went to play for Leicester from uh, from 12 to 16 as their school, as part of their schoolboy. So it's a, a club near and dear to our heart. And I got to play with uh, a few quality players as a part of that. So it was a, it's, it's a great thing. Who was your, your favourite? Well, you know, Emil Heskey was a nightmare to play against because I was a, a little central defender and he obviously was the absolute opposite as a match up forward. Yeah, and so it just it wasn't even a matchup to be honest. Um, <laughs> just a nightmare. Um, yeah, but after that, you know, when I went to play for Scunthorpe United, we played against the great Leeds United youth team. So you'd mm. remember names like Jonathan Woodgate, Harry Kewell, Adam Alan Smith. Smith. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was a guy called. That's really. There was yeah. a guy called Jones that went to play at Leicester that was probably one of the better ones and he had to retire because of injury. But they were so good and it was just so fun to play with guys like, uh, you know, Jonathan Woodgate and Paul Robinson. You know, they were just great, great players. That's really cool. Awesome to hear. Um, so what was the reason? It, it sounds like you bounced around a little bit. Um, you, you stuck with Leicester as your, your, your primary team to support? 
Yeah, you know, I always used to, you'll like this, James, my friends at school, when we were at high school, were Man U fans, so it was always a little bit, I actually had that awful yellow and green Man U kit as a 12-year-old, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, but when I got to the US and, you know, as a 19-year-old, it was really difficult to see the Premier League and, and to kind of follow and cover it, so I would end up looking, as I said before, three teams, it was the mighty Scunthorpe United that were, I think, wallowing in Division 2 at the time. Leicester that was on this journey between going up and coming down every couple of years, the, the famous Yoho syndrome. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, ultimately Man United. But then now, since we have all the great coverage, it's uh, much easier to be a, a fan. And the fact that Leicester are playing a, a great brand of football as well makes it even more enjoyable to, to watch. Yeah. You, you like a decent fraction of the United supporters. Once you're able to watch another team, you're like, okay, that's, I'm good. I'm, I'm good. Pass. <laughs> oh, oh post-2013, post I'm out. Yeah, hard pass. <laughs> that's, this wasn't part of the deal. I thought that was just a blackout period for most Man U fans. They're just trying to right, right. imagine it didn't happen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're, they're at the Eddie Hat, those ones. That's where they are these days. Didn't have to go too far. No, they just canceled their train ticket from London, didn't they? Right. <laughs> well, why don't we why don't we start here, Steve? Um, being that we'll focus on on Leicester. I, now that we've had a little bit of time, it's actually insane. We, the new season starts in a week, but now that we've had a little bit of time to to um, settle and adjust from from the end of last season, I want to ask you because when I was writing this, I was like, I don't know if this is as direct of an answer as you think it is. Does last season feel like a like a success or like a disappointment? from a luster point of view it, it, that's a really interesting question i think if you w- would have said to most of us at the end of the season this is where you'd end up we would have said fantastic i think if you would have said to ask people you know if this is where they'd end up as the season kind of went to that halt and you know kind of pre uh, the beginning of covid they would have said no way that we won't you know do even better and overachieve and so i, I think it's this, the tale of two seasons you know the first part of the season tremendous um, you know, the second part was disastrous, probably. Um, but most, of, but for you know, for lifelong Leicester fans, I think it's really just great to see the club competing to get into. You know, the fact that we're competing to get into Europe. That we're not talking about battling relegation. We're talking about you know the next level. Um, and I think yeah, the club yeah. are really well primed to continue to do that as we look into next season as well, which is really really strong. Yeah, right, like the fact that. There is a level of disappointment missing out on the Champions League. Is testament how far the clubs come. Yeah, absolutely. He's talking about the ambitions of the club, and then you know James and I were at a point in you know we were in October, and we're like, okay, Leicester's playing pretty good. November, I said, all right, I don't think they're going to hold this up in December. We're like, we have to start to talk about them as contenders just because they're they're holding the pace, and obviously, eventually, they did it. But it was uh, the same exact thing as most people in 2015-16. Where it's like, well, they're not going to like keep it up you know and this time they obviously didn't but um just criminally under underrated the entire time well you know that you know at the beginning of the season it's again similar to the 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 magical season or the best sports story ever i think is probably the way that we refer to it Um, i agree with that they're pretty difficult to play against you know they play a good brand of, of football they press high up the field they've got vardy which you know just a game changer with his pace and when you've got someone like James Madison that's able to pick a pass like he can, you know, you've always got a chance to win when you're when you're playing. And, and I think it's just it's just great to watch. 
Um, and they're, they're always entertainment value, I think, when you're watching, you know, when you're just scanning through the the, the weekly fixtures, you know, Leicester will always give you a good brand of football to watch. Yeah. yeah. Entertaining games. Yeah. yeah. So if you're looking at the the break, the COVID break, and when you came back as, as kind of the pivot point for, for how Leicester's season actually ended up, what would you say was the main contributor to to the the down the downturn in form? Was it more proof like you can evidential proof like uh, Vardy sco- scored less or, or Soyuncu and Evans gave up a, a few more goals or an injury or was it more mentality? Do you think there were, there were definitely a couple of key injuries? You know, like I think Chilwell was out for a little bit and we had to play Justin back there. Mm-hmm. Um, they ended they ended up moving to a back three at one point, so I think to some degree Rogers tinkering may have been a part of that. Um, Madison wasn't playing; he, I think he missed most of the games after at the, at the end yep, there. So yep. I think there's probably some of that, but they just didn't get started. You know, it's like some teams I think just really struggled to get started again, and I think we were one of them. Um, yeah, so it was really difficult to kind of watch those last few games because they just didn't really get back in the flow of where they were, and then with those you know fairly significant personnel shifts it just didn't feel like they were the same system and the same group of players as they were before mm-hmm. they had a difficult run of fixtures if i remember correctly as well so i mean it kind of it felt like it was early on and it felt i mean obviously when you know when, when arsenal's out of the picture you know relative to the competition i'm going to root for leicester right to make it into the top four and crack on but it was just it felt like they were fighting an uphill battle despite despite everything they felt kind of like the little guy in that scenario again and like the united's run a fixture with the games that they played it almost felt like a self-fulfilling prophecy leading up to that very that very last game and i think um you know kind of a decent a decent question to move on to that if it was the mentality it was the way they were set up obviously injuries played a role how much are you looking at brandon rogers because we talked about it a little bit um on the podcast, some of the things he was saying to the media around the expectations when Champions League was very, very much in play. I'll leave our opinions out of it for now. <laughs> Want to see? It was significantly leading question. Leading. <laughs> <laughs> I will ask this very unbiased question. <laughs> um, yeah, it's interesting. I, I really do think he's a good manager. I, th- I think he's really good. I think when you look at what he did at Liverpool. Um, you know, I think there were some really great things there. They probably to some degree got that started. Um, I think Celtic. You can argue whether you know winning it with Celtic is a difficult thing to do or not. But I think again, he played a good brand of football and, and got players playing well. Um, but he is a little bit of a tinkerer, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, we you, know, you saw the kind of heat that Pep got this mm-hmm. year from kind of you know changing formations and, and switching players around. I think it's hard. I think fundamentally football is about getting your best 11 working really well i think we saw manu kind of at the end of the season they got into that zone right where they 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 kind of knew how they played and and at that point why even make subs you know (laughs) just just 11 (laughs) players 90 minutes just do it i think you know there's also the reality that leicester's squad maybe isn't as deep as you know the the other top four top five contenders right so tinkering when you've, you've got like a squad the depth of Man City or potentially Liverpool is a different ball game than when you're playing with you know a squad that's probably when you get to past 13 or 14 players it probably drops off a, a little bit yeah so um you know that to me is is probably what drives it so I think finding the best 11 keeping them healthy keeping them fit and, and it will be you know one of the main things that um Brandon's got to do next year to keep us successful and 
I think this kind of dovetails nicely off of your faith in Rogers as, as the manager, and it sounds like you definitely have that um, that faith. I struggle with this from an outside perspective. What is Lester's ambition? You know, you, let's say you set a next year plan, you set a three year plan, five year plan. Like, I think a comparable team is Wolves, where they came in from promotion and said, we're going to be challenging for the title in five years. And they're already, you know, well in the Europa League, champ- maybe even Champions League discussion. With Lester, Best story, best sports story of all time, 2015-16. This season was similar, even though not the same end result. Where do you set your metrics for, for the team moving forward? Yeah, I, th- I think when you when you look at the league, you're always going to have the top you know, three to four clubs that are exponentially more commercially successful. You know, whether that's because of a rich owner or because of you know a great commercial setup, they're going to have a whole. They're going to play the game just differently um, in terms of transfers, in terms of how they manage. And so, I think Leicester's ambition, as I think about it as a, as a fan, is to all to be there or thereabouts, to be competing for Europe and to be in a cup final every now and again. Maybe have a nice Europe run in a Europa Cup or something like that, but to do it in a way that is never puts the club at risk. Because I think what you're seeing now with like the likes of Bournemouth that have a bad season and go down, they have to rip mm-hmm. the club bare just to survive. And I think you know the reality is that's you know what you've got to protect the club against in these times sure, where sure. transfer fee and wages are just absolutely astronomical. Sure, sure. Um, so I think as a fan, that's all you want. You want it to be done in a way that can be self-sustaining. And I think both Leicester and Wolves are doing a nice job of that. They're building their the club on a foundation for the long term because I don't know about you guys but it's it's really sad for me to see clubs like Bolton Wanderers and Blackburn Rovers and and teams like that that have gone through such awful times on the back of they were great you know Premier League clubs you know not in the too distant past Um, and that's never what you want to see happen to your club and so I think you know that's the pleasing part about the ownership the way they run the club from a transfer perspective as we were talking about before the show um, I think that's what you're seeing from Leicester now is that real kind of sensitivity to being successful, but then also managing it in the right way to, to ensure the, the lifeblood of the club. So you're never overextending or setting yourself up for some kind of disaster. I think that's right. You know, like what, you know, talking about Leeds, I mean, Leeds have only just recovered, right? <laughs> they just got back. Yeah. They just yeah. got back yeah. in and, and think about where they were challenging for, for league titles and having the best youth system and, but then just a few bad ownership decisions and you can literally cripple the club. So I think that's what you just hope for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the, the gap between between money and the Premier League and the championship is is it's astronomical. And so like like you said, if you're if you're loaded up on fat contracts, if you think, you know, we're gonna make a run for it and you just make a few bad decisions, it's it's hard to recover. And you see so many clubs that you're like, Oh, that club will be back and then sure enough they're in League One the next year. Yeah, well, I mean, you've got the reality that the parachute payments go for two years. But that's a really tough league to get out of. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, the championship is just hard. You've got to go fight every week. And any team could beat any team. Um, And and I think the the teams that are in that division love to kind of kick the crap out of the teams that come down and these guys that are on big, fat contracts. So uh, you know, it's a really dangerous game to think you can just bounce back because we've seen a ton of clubs not be able to do that. Yeah. Right. Have, have you had a chance to see the Sunderland Till I Die documentary? <laughs> no. 
Oh, I mean, that is the prime example. You just get a window into a club that has overcommitted wages and overspent, and they have like state of the art cryo chambers, and all of a sudden they're in League One. And uh, the secondhand stress from watching the owner trying to cut money out of his uh, out of his books is is a really good example of that. It, and you don't see them coming back up for a little while. It, it takes a, you know a change to do that. So. You know, that's all you hope. You hope they play a great brand of, of football, they have relative success, and that they, they do it in the right way. And I think that's yeah, what yeah. You know, we're doing right now, which is which is fantastic. Well, go ahead, Pat. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, that I think that's a, a great transition into into what Lester do so, so well, which is their, their transfer dealings. You know, uh, from, I think that they, of all, of any English team, I think they sell at the right time, and they buy people who, seemingly just fill the void without missing a beat. You know, uh, obviously you lose a ton when you get rid of Angola Conte, but Wilfred Ndidi steps in and does quite a job. Where has Tielemans come from? He's a, a top, top player. Uh, Soyuncu, I would argue, I think, a little bit better than Maguire last season. Uh, and, and and the list goes on and on. I'm not I'm not necessarily sure they've kind of replaced um, fully the quality of a Riyad Mahrez, but they do have options you know, at, at the wing position to replace him. And I think they sold for a great, great value and reinvested that, I believe, into Tielemans. But yeah. uh, in, in any case, uh, yeah, it's what they do so well. They got rid of Chilwell uh, this year for, I think, what was it, 50, 60 mil, something like that? That was going to be my point. Uh, we were on with the Chelsea fans, and, and they're singing, and rightfully so to an extent, they're singing their chief negotiator, Marina what's her name's um, praises for all these deals that she's making. But I'm looking at the Chilwell deal and I'm like 50 million for Chilwell. Like, hats off to Lester yet again. Yeah. And they go and sign another Portuguese fella for 20. And, and to your point, right, Patrick, right. he'll probably be better. <laughs> you, you know, like that's kind of the system they've created is they go and find the, the next version of it. It's incredible. It's incredible. And, and players who, I think the players kind of fulfill their potential at Leicester. I feel like that's kind of the culture that they've created where I don't I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's something in the water. I don't know if it's just kind of the grit and passion that Vardy plays with that kind of sets the tone and the example. Like that's here's the bar. But it's like you said, it's a fun it's a fun brand of football to watch. I have no reason not to like them. So they're not like another big club who's playing good fun football. They're they're a club that I can, you know, really really back and have a have a good time with. So uh, you know you, you mentioned I think it was off the air just kind of the there's some nerves around this transfer window and losing some like a decent amount of players, and especially in, in this COVID market. Who are those players that that you're worried that could leave before the window's up, and are there potential replacements? Uh, because like if we don't if we don't have people coming in, I think that's what Leicester have done so well. Like when they've sold, they've had a replacement, and we're up against a tight window here. I mean, I think you know just if you think about through the the kind of post COVID window, the, there were rumors. You know, Chilwell to Man City or Chelsea was consistently in the press. Soinucci was allegedly a, a Barcelona target. Then you had Ndidi that was supposed to go to the, the Gunas, you, you know, potentially. And then you have obviously the Madison-Man United love affair, you yeah, know, yeah. around that. And so if, if as a Leicester fan, you're thinking about those four, it would be really hard to believe right, that right. the system that you talked about, Patrick, could withstand that kind of a kind of demolition and so that was pretty unnerving um but you know if we, if we look forward obviously the transfer window goes for another month but you'd think activity will probably normally slow down as when the season gets started 
you know, if we can get through that with just losing Chilwell, I think every Leicester fan in the world will probably be high-fiving. That you know, that's probably the the one you would have wanted to have sacrificed to the four. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you were thinking about that, take Chilwell. <laughs> yeah, please. Do you have faith in the board? To this faith in the board is something that James and I can't identify with. Do you have faith in the board to say if they are going to sell Soyuncu or if they're going to sell Soyuncu and Ndidi, that they have a plan B already? Like, do you do you think that they'll leave you hung out to dry by selling one of those players without having somebody already lined up? Because in my head, Lester just won't do that, and I don't, I'm interested to get your perspective. I mean, if 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 you take the last kind of three or four years, you know, when when we won the league. And then we went through that that turnover with obviously kind of Miraz and, and, and Kante being the kind of two central ones. Um, you know, I think everyone held their breath and to see what what could happen. Um, and I think Drinkwater went the same year, right? It wasn't Drinkwater Kante. I think Drinkwater had disaster to Chelsea at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Um, probably got a good fee out, out of that one too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I think we everyone was kind of holding their breath, but what they've proven over time is they can. Now they haven't had to do it f- with four central players, so so that, I think that that would be the risk. Um, but the recruitment policy has obviously been a great success, um, you know, during that time. But I think, you know, talking to an Arsenal fan and a Man U fan, it's always a gamble. It's all mm-hmm. you, you know. You, you never quite know what you're going to get when you go and, right. and, and sure. bring players into a, a culture and a system and a club and a. You know, Leicester is a, a beautiful place, but you know some of these Europeans. I can't imagine you know think it's the the greatest city in the world to live in. Um, so I think there's always that question mark for me around you know are they, they going to fit? But the club has proven they're going to do it, and the ownership, from from what I can you know see and, and read and experience, have always been fully committed to doing the right thing, Patrick. So they've never, yeah. to me, ever kind of skimped or, or or tried to not do the right thing. So that's all you can hope for, right? That you have a you know, kind of a, a leadership that are both supportive and, and, and seem to make the right choices for the long-term benefit of the club. And I think the great other great thing that you see, in, at least in preseason, the youth system is, is working too. So there's a, a, a nice kind of flow of, of good young players that are, are putting pressure on the first-team squad as well. So if you can get those things working right, um, you can really, you know, really make sure the club is in a good spot. Just, just for the record, you sold Danny Drinkwater for um, $41 million. So... <laughs> Yeah, transfer to go and have some fights on the training ground. <laughs> transfer business is fine at Leicester. <laughs> I think you've still got that money in the reserve somewhere. Oh my god! Well, the, uh, the, the owner gives out a free beer every game. I think so. Maybe that's what he's still using it for. He can, he can do free beer of every game for the next fifty years. I think. Yeah, wow. still technically a Chelsea player. I think. I don't know if he's officially been moved on. Yeah, no, he. Um, yeah, he was loaned to Burnley, loaned to Villa. Didn't go well. <laughs> Jeez, I want to. I want to ask yeah, you this, Steve, and, it, and and it's not. It's, it's genuinely not having to go because I I know this feeling. It's harder for United and Arsenal, but I know this feeling from Cristiano Ronaldo, where you have an amazing unearthed talent, and you know at the end of the day he wants a bigger challenge, and that to him was Real Madrid. Do you get that bittersweet feeling often when you unearth an amazing new talent like a Madison? Vardy is actually the exception because he re- rejected Arsenal to stay, which is probably why Great he's decision. got that like, <laughs> status up there. Um, right, right. Um, but Amar as a Conte, do you have that feeling where you have to catch yourself if you see a new talent coming through? Because you're like, well, he's just going to leave in two a year, two years. Yeah, it's in, it's funny because I've never I've never really thought about that. But like you know, there used to be the joke, you're a selling club, right? And 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 that's what you are. And to some degree, I feel like 
I don't feel that way about Leicester. It, it, you know, because I think you know, footballers are very promiscuous. You know, just in general now, right? That they, they don't stay in one place regardless. So I think the the idea that someone's going to come and be a, a, a one club man is so far gone. The concept mm-hmm. is, and so I think what Leicester are almost doing now for me is almost playing the same game. We're gonna get, we're gonna extract the absolute maximum amount of value from these people for for us as the club. You know, if they'd have held on to Conte for another year and he'd had a shitty season, you know, he pro- probably wouldn't have got what we got for him. And so well, I, he I did go and win the title again. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> he played quite well that year too. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So for for me, I think it's just a reality of the game now. You know, and I'm sure for a Man U fan, you know, hearing Pogba wants to leave to go to something bigger is 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 hard, but. For a Leicester fan, I think it's part of the process, at least for sure, me anyway. Sure. And I think we, I think by embracing that, you know, I think that so so many so many clubs um, do the opposite, where they say, no, we're going to hold on to this player, we're going to make this particular project work, this is part of our plans. They don't sell at the right time, and you look at a club like uh, even like Dortmund, who is doing this in basically they're playing Champions League football, and they're a quote unquote selling club. They sell everybody by the time they turn 25 years old, yet they always have a new... They're a better version of like a 15-year-old. It's like the youngest club in the world at at the best talent. And so I think by embracing that, by selling at that peak value, you can then buy... I mean, if you're selling Danny Drinkwater for 41 million pounds, then you can then go and... How many many 10 million pound players? You get four of them. And, you know, that's... One of them's going to hit. And, and, and I think it really, really speaks to kind of the mentality. And I, I, I think that it, it, it took, obviously, um, you, you mentioned the ownership and obviously there was the, the horrible tragedy a couple of years back. Uh, but that for me, I never really appreciated what, how connected that club, that city and that ownership group were until that, because the light was, the light really shined down. And it seems to me like culture over everything at Leicester and everybody buys into that. I think Vardy leads with example on the field and then the transfer dealings. And it just seems like the Leicester football club is the priority. And if a player's got to go, player's got to go. Thank you for your service. There's no hard feelings. We're going to get a great, great value. And we're going to bring somebody else in. And I think through that culture, if everyone's buying in, you can kind of continue this, you know, I mean, I, I don't want to say forever, but, you know, for, for quite some time. You know, I think you do need to replace that. Like, you're going to have to replace the linchpin, the Vardy. Like, I think he is a very, very important figure. Uh, and there's, you know, certainly a ticking clock. But he's got plenty left in the chamber, no doubt. That's going to be a, a really tough one. Yeah. 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 But, but, you know, you look at, you know, you had you chatted with, with Mark. I think Spurs are a really interesting club because I don't think they know whether they're a selling club or a buying club. And interesting Harry, is a good way to put it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I think Harry Kane, Harry Kane's going to have a real decision to make. We had this exact philosophical Kane debate yesterday <laughs> through all the technical difficulties. Yeah. Mark, Mark wouldn't answer until we said how much we'd pay for him. <laughs> and then he answered. Yeah. And he had a good answer to be fair to him, but he's getting to a, you know, Two or three more years, and they may not get the most money for him that they could have, right? Right, right. You know, just given right, right. the financial crisis that's going to hit the game, he's now, what, he 27, 28? You know, it, it, all those factors start to, to, to necessitate a different value conversation. So, you know, but he's got to go and win something somewhere. Otherwise, what's he doing? Right, so, right. He won't be at Leicester, but uh, maybe Man <laughs> U or... Yeah, yeah, maybe. Um, I think... Patrick, you touched on Vardy a little bit, and obviously 
Leicester in a vacuum is a good example of a club that makes smart business decisions. COVID has taken all of that and turned it on its head. And there's a clear discrepancy between clubs that are still able to spend business as usual and clubs that really have to reassess what they're doing. Leicester, we mentioned already, I, to be fair, I haven't watched a whole lot of Atalanta, but it looks like you've got a replacement for Chilwell at half the price with a player who's got Champions League experience. Castagna, or I think was his name. So I have faith that's a good move. Mm-hmm. Are you are you eyeing moves around other positions on the pitch? And I guess the first place to look is a Vardy replacement because I don't know if that's Iannaccio. I I don't believe it is. Um, but let me know. You, let me know what you think. You know, it, it feels like it's all pretty quiet. I, I don't know about you guys, but I feel like it, you know, apart from the couple of big stories, no, nothing. There's not a lot percolating. You know, from what I can, I can kind of gather. Um, so, so I don't know whether Brendan Rodgers is just real comfortable, really comfortable with what he's got. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't feel like there's anything big on the uh, on the uh, future scape here that we that I'm that I'm hearing about or seeing or feeling. I don't know about you guys. Anything on the blogs that you guys have seen? Well, I mean, Manchester United Twitter is a dark place that you don't want to go to. Uh, <laughs> we're linked with a few players every hour, and then and then we're upset that it doesn't happen. But I think that's just players' round, agents, isn't it? Just players' agents. Oh, uh, maybe Man U should buy Bobby. <laughs> yeah. It's worse than that, Steve. It's people who make accounts and they they call themselves in the know, so they they have sources. It's it's bad, but. Um, I saw Ryan Fraser uh, went to Newcastle today, which made me think of, of Callum, Callum Wilson. Callum Wilson did as well. Yeah. Wait, Callum Little Wilson's ambition. gone? To Newcastle. Oh, they both went. They both. Callum Wilson went, went on like $20 million to Newcastle. All right. Wow. Well, that shreds my next question. But uh, but that would I think that would be means... a kind of a, le- a great sign-in for Leicester. I think that that's, would... what I, that's exactly yeah. what I was going to say. Yeah. It should um, mean Joel Linton's available, though, if you'd like to see if he's any good. I heard he's 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 worth a lot. Who's that? Joel Linton. <laughs> I think they might have moved on from him over at Newcastle. <laughs> I think they took the, the number nine jersey and gave it to yeah to Callum. No, but I did read um, uh, James Tarkowski from from Burnley, the center back, um, thirty million from from Leicester. I'm not sure if that has much legs, uh, but. That's something that I've. That's that's the only news I was really able to dig up around Leicester's transfer dealings, which would be. Probably I think another center up, a central yeah. defender is really warranted. You know, when you look at you know, they went to three in the back, and there was that fellow they had on loan from Wolves, and and he had a couple of howlers, you know, during the the second part of the season there. So I think another central defender, because I mean Johnny Evans is no no youngster anymore, no spring chicken. Right, right. Um, so I think that would be a good injection if they if they could do that. Yeah. yeah, West Morgan as well, and the and the great great right. time for him. But yeah, he's he's probably a little bit past it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, if you'd have told me, you know, five years ago that Leicester would be linked with a thirty million pound transfer of a central defender, I probably sure, would, have, sure. would have laughed at you a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You would have said, "Oh, the club's really gone downhill. We're making those types of moves now." Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, thinking about the players that you have then, and and looking ahead to next season. Maybe I'll phrase it this way. Blank player is the most important and crucial to Leicester's success, relative success next season. And if it's Vardy, I want you to name the next most important player. <laughs> um, I, I kind of I go up the spine of the team. I, I think either Evans or Sonoichu have to be really, really good. 
Um, I think Ndidi has to play well. Um, and then I think you've got a Madison and and, and Navadi thing. You, you, those four, that, that spine, are going to have to play really well to get us back to where we were this year. I think that's interesting. Sorry, I was just going to say, I think that's interesting you name those players because that, to me, doesn't feel like players who need to step into their own. It's like players who need to maintain a high level of play that they've already been doing. Yeah, yeah. Which I think I think is, is good, but you know right, if right. you and, and that's probably a, a a bad answer because I think you know most managers would say the spine of your team is the most important. But when you think about when we were struggling, it's because one or more of those kind of core players weren't either playing well or weren't playing. Um, and when you really think about if one of them gets injured or, or leaves, there's not a natural replacement. Again, the, the club could make some great choices and, and, and do some things, but. That's that for me is the most important thing. Vardy will be Vardy, and he will give everything. And I think he's got another couple of good years in him. He needs like a Madison to, to give him you know the the windows to run into. Mm-hmm. But I think the other pieces are so important as well. Yeah, it's, I w- I'm I'm interested. I was interested. I don't know if James if you were leading it this way, but I'm interested to know if because it seems like it's a big year for 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 Harvey Barnes and for Iosi Perez. It feels like those two guys. Need, one of them needs to step up and kind of not necessarily become as effective of, of say, a Riyad Mahrez was for that squad, but, you know, probably 15 goal contributions or something. You know, you need somebody who's going to really supplement uh, the scoring. And, and I think both are talented players. I'm not sure if they both got that in their locker quite yet, but that's that's who I would be looking for. But, yeah, that spine is – I mean, I think Tielemans is a top, top player. I think he's probably – I don't know off the top of my head, but I'd certainly say he's a top 10 midfielder in the Prem. I, I think he's absolutely phenomenal. I thought he was better in his first year than he was last year. I, I, I didn't think he was, you know, and he was kind of in and out a little bit of the team last year a little bit. But you know, when he was first in the league, he scored a he scored a good scored a good bunch of goals, got forward a lot. So I think that's right. You, you know, Harvey Perez is a bit of an enigma. I think he was at Newcastle too. I think he's. Um, Spotty, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah, there's yeah. moments of absolute brilliance and then there's moments of absolute kind of anonymity almost. Um, but I think Barnes, there's something special there, and as a you know, homegrown mm-hmm. kid, that's always really interesting as well, right? Right. Um, his final product has got to get better, you know, he, he ends up in some really good spots and, and either doesn't finish or doesn't cross the ball. So I think that's where there, but. If you can augment um, kind of Vardy's firepower with some goals from some of those other spaces, I think, you know, that could do, do stand us in really good stead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what's He's the... He's 22, uh... so it's a couple years for him to come into his own still. But yeah, that you'd, you'd expect a little bit more. I mean, he had 14. I just looked it up. He had 14 goal contributions last year. So me asking for 15 is probably not too too egregious. You know, six goals and eight assists. Let's, so. let's take it to the next level. <laughs> come on, Harvey. Step up, bud. I, I, cause I, I wouldn't have said that. I, I, you know... I would have probably thought it was less than that because then he probably should have got 25 because I saw some absolute right, right. screeching misses in a couple of places. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he could probably find area. his, his yeah. expected goal contribution somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, he's a, he's a talented kid. He really is. Uh, what's, so yeah, he's, a, he's a fun player to watch. What's the word on the surrounding cast of youngsters coming up? Uh, uh, Luke Thomas, James Justin. Uh, we, saw, we saw glimmers of them last season. Are they expected to fill a role if, if some players don't come into the club and, and do you have faith in them? Yeah, so the news from preseason, you know, as I've been covering a little bit, is that there's some really positive signs from quite a few of them. 
um, I think the step up is really big. You, you know, I think even bigger from for a club like Leicester than probably, you know, at a Man U or some of those other things. I think it's just even more pronounced that the step up. And so, why do you say that? See, well, you know, I just think there's a. I think the quality of youngsters that you get, the exposure in the system that they have, um, and then you know, you know, the reserve team gain when you think about a Man U or a Man City with with twenty four you know world class players, uh, I just think it's a it's a different a different sentiment there around the youngsters, mm-hmm. um, different expectation, and I, I just think you know when you get past like a Leicester that have kind of you know like we said thirteen or fourteen really good players and it drops off a little bit. If you're, you know, Foden at Man City, and you're, you know, keeping Bernardo Silva out in Pep Guardiola's mind, there's a different benchmark there than, you know, mm. know if, if you're a youngster covering for a couple of injuries at Leicester, I think. Um, so I think that that's promising, but I would say that they need a couple of, you know, additional first, real first team impact players to come in and 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 to make a, a role versus depending on the youngsters. You know, Justin, for example, you know. He had a challenging time, I thought, at the end when he was filling in for Chilwell. I think the end of the last season, there was a couple of moments there where it was, you know, like a fish out of water, kind of, you know, a boy in a man's game kind of thing. Yeah. So great. I'm sure he's a great kid and, and a good talent, but you just need the right time to be able to come in and make an impact. I think Leicester need a couple more impact, really impact players in the, in the squad. I, I need to, I need to, diversify my comparisons from Manchester United players. I realize that. I'm working on it, but it reminds me a lot of of Brandon Williams. He comes in, he fills in, maybe it's that like you know, no fear attitude when you come in, you're like what do I have to lose? Plays two good games, expectations go up here, and then it's like he drops off. He's not as good as you think he is yet, and and all of a sudden he's like not fulfilled expectations all yeah, in the space the of one set. season. It's pretty crazy. Um, and, and that's why I think managers have to be so careful with how they present these players and, 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 and seed them into the team. And I always thought it was a mistake. Maybe you felt the same with James Justin. Maybe you didn't have an alternative, but I always thought it was a mistake to make Brandon Williams like the deputy to Luke Shaw. It, 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 um, and it shows you know, at certain points. Yeah and, yeah, and not everyone kind of evolves into that. I mean, somebody that I... Uh, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but I remember a lot of hype around Damari Gray a couple of years ago, who I don't think has really taken that step from from the the. the uh, I'm not sure if he was an academy player or not, if he was just a young prospect that you bought, but uh, taking that step into the first into the first team. Uh, but he he still shows he shows those flashes, but nothing really much more than that. Yeah, I, I mean, I think. You know, I, I spoke about you know my experience with Lee, you know, playing against those Leeds yeah. yeah. kids. That next step in the pyramid, that last step of the pyramid, is a massive step, and, and you, you don't realize it until you kind of see it. Um, but when you think about like a Mason Greenwood now, there's just a different. different. There's just a different level, and and I don't think you really know until you put these kids in whether they're going to be that level or not. Mm-hmm. And, and and you know, and to some degree, there can be a good season, then they fall off, and we've seen a lot of those over the years. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that's the danger is you've got to manage them in the right way to, to ensure that um, their development is looked after and managed correctly. But you've also got to hide them from the expectation because you know, the, the top of that pyramid for these top four or five teams is, is, is it's a really tough league to play in, I think. This mm-hmm. might be a dumb question, but 
I think you have a really unique experience that could speak to this. That step that you take, I, I'm not entirely sure how it works. I think you, you play the you whatever age academy until you make your you make it to the reserves and then the first team. What percentage of players make it out of academy system into, I don't know what it would be considered, I guess the reserve team or even the main team? So when we when we got started, you know, it was it was before like the scholarships. It was in the, the, the days of a YTS, if you remember that language. Um, and the PFA, you know, guy came into the room and said, "There's 13 of you. There'll only be one of you here in two years." Love to hear, right. that. hear that. Very, so inspiring. very inspiring. You know, so that's that. And, and then from there, you know, the the, the odds kind of go down from there. Um, so it, it it's really survival of the fittest. And I think you kind of see that, you know, in the US, we talk a lot about college kind of football. I'm not sure how I explain that on this show. But, you know, the difference between being a really good player on a top football team and getting into the NFL is is a massive step. I think it exists in every sport. But when I was, you know, the example that I always give about this is, you know, the center forward on our team was a, a guy that ended up playing, you know, probably 400 league games in some of the lower leagues. And he was six foot four. And we, I smacked the ball up to him. Jonathan Woodgate jumped up behind him and brought the ball down on his chest. And I'm like, oh, Christ. We are, we, it's going to be a long day at the office. Because that's all we kind of had was this one you know, big, you know, really good kid up, up front. And Woodgate just made us the look Fellaini. like a bunch of monkeys. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there, there's, there's levels to it. I mean, Patrick and I are, are well known to be LAFC season ticket holders. And um, you you look at these, I guess. Side note: Alfonso Davies came and played for the Vancouver White, White, White Caps, Caps, and he was 17 years old, and he was the man amongst boys of like mid 20s and 30s. Like the level yeah. is so it clear. Was and then I think the inverse of that is there's there are like these strikers on LAFC who are lighting up the MLS, and and Patrick and I have this debate where like would he get a game for Norwich? Would he be a substitute on Norwich? And the answer is probably no. Um, so yeah, the step is is a it's crazy, crazy one. And, and, and yeah. the young kids, I don't know about you, but I was a a naive eighteen year old, and, and so he, he, there's a whole lot of pressure on these these young kids to be to be you know playing for a Man U or a Leicester in these big games, and so a lot going yeah, on yeah. there. But yeah, hopefully, one or two of them can step through like a Harvey Barnes and make an impact, and and that will be a you know, great thing for our club as well. Yeah. Well, Patrick and I felt pressure trying to step up for our high school teams. So, yeah, I yeah, just to give you a perspective of what's going on in, in this in this whole noggin. I still think that I am better than a keeper that gets selected for the U.S. men's national team. And I'll take that to my grave. Played against him <laughs> as a kid. I hadn't played keeper in, gosh, 20 years. But I still think I rem- at 12 years old, I had his number. Uh, Bill Hamid, if you're listening, all due respect, but. You know, put me between the pipes. I'll if you're business. listening. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and as a 40-year-old, I am so at peace with the fact of my relative mediocrity at this wonderful game. Um, this is now this is now the, the kind of pinnacle of my football career, being on this show. So thank you so much for, yeah. for bringing me on. To... You're too yeah, kind. I mean, you're too this kind. Is just the, this is the launch pad to your punditry, Steve. <laughs> um, well, let's move. I, I want to get into our, our our hot takes and our predictions. I think my last just fun question I'm curious about is: Where were you when Lester uh, won the title in 2016, and did you cry? And be honest. I was watching the game, um, and it was almost just like 
disbelief. And, and so the, the, the most fun there was was hearing about the party at Jamie Vardy's house that has now become kind of this yeah. anonymous song for Leicester. Um, but yeah, it was that running was almost um, like an out of body experience, right? There was just so so much great stuff happening, um, and. I think even as Leicester fans, we kept thinking, you know, can it really happen? <laughs> you know, is it really going to happen? Um, so, yeah. And I don't think crying, but very much a, did this really happen? There was the, the shock of the fact that something that is really mm-hmm. unbelievable could actually happen mm-hmm. and, and why it would happen. And, and the fact that we just witnessed probably one of the greatest sports stories ever to be, um, to be unveiled yeah, to yeah. us. I remember the crescendo of attention that it got in the States because nobody cared about it for the first eight months of the season. And then ESPN was just doing their, their stupid stuff. Like, here's the longest odds of Kentucky Derby. And then here's the Leicester City. And then, like, the American fans started watching and getting into it. And, yeah, here I was just like, guys, this is one of the most insane things. You guys got to watch. And no one cared. And then it got to the end. And it was – and everyone was rooting for it. You know, there was – very few people at that point that weren't yeah. really, but probably just say Spurs fans, you know, because they were the, I think they finished second that season. The most challenging part was explaining what relegation meant to most Americans. I still struggle with that. I'm, st- I'm still trying with my roommates. We've lived together <laughs> for like two years. Um, Matt's just like, no, the Jets are still in the NFL, Jay. Yeah, yeah. They're not yeah. leaving. <laughs> well, I feel like the good comparisons to make with Patrick and I are, I obviously was spoiled as a kid and I didn't, you know, winning the treble when I was six years old and then success through to the 2013, it didn't register how, how important, like big these things were. I was just like, Oh, we're a good team and we're winning all these things. Patrick on the other hand supports perennial losers. And we don't know how he'll react if a Washington uh, football team or the Baltimore Orioles or Arsenal uh, win, win a trophy. We don't know how he's going to react. Of the American teams I support, none of them have even made it to, like, the Super Bowl. They've only made it to their conference championships games. So I don't even know the stress of a title game. Uh, and then, of course, yeah, Arsenal. I mean, we got probably why you're looking so young, you know. The, the yeah, lack of yeah. pressure in your sports fandom is, is really helping you keep that youthful glow. You're glowing. It's, <laughs> I'm glad you say that because at, at, at 1 and 14, I'm still thinking that the, the old Washington football team's got a shot. And that I, I wear that. <laughs> I wear that heavily. Yeah, just see me next Sunday and we'll, we'll see what's going on. But well, It's, good, it's good that football on both sides of the ocean are, are both kind of experienced these perennial ownership struggles that you, so i'm glad you're consistent at least oh yeah james loves to point out that i couldn't have picked a better team in arsenal you know because i'm a relatively new fan i've always been a fan of world football but i was you know i the premier league's what's on and i was like i just need to i love watching it but i just didn't care and so i was like i gotta get a team and then sure enough it was arsenal and james says you you of course you picked the perennial loser to go along with your other i've got the high expectations and then let's come back down to earth so yeah it's been well, a good ride, though. Let's let's close it out then. Uh, this segment's called "A Little Bit Leave It." It's a little bit leave it. And what we like to do, Steve, is throw some takes out into the atmosphere and 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 see how they stick or the, they land. We'll obviously chat through them a little bit here, but um, you know the curious part is is coming back and, and seeing how they panned out. So we'd love to hear from you what your predictions are for this season. Any bold predictions? Save like the uh, the top four finishes. We're gonna have you do that as well. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, I feel like overall it will either be another 
really extreme successful season again or something where we drop into mediocrity so i feel like there's you know the gap between like five and six and 14 it, there's a, almost a black hole in there so i sit here almost a, a little bit um preparing for once you know the negative version of that scenario so but let's go positive we yeah, i think definitely top six um harvey barnes to score 20 goals this year gonna go above 20. the 15 go to 20 is that over double of his this past season wait score goals or goal contribution he scored six and had eight assists Oh, last season. You still have a chance to change this one, Steve. Yeah, let's go with 15. <laughs> let's go with 15 goals. Okay, okay, okay. okay. Yeah. I like he's, got to, yeah. he's got to score more, for sure. Um, James Madison ends up as a Man United player. By... Hmm. Next season, January? Let's go, let's go in, the, in, the, in the window. In the window. In the January transfer window, a, a nice panic buy. Uh, yeah, Manchester I think that's United. United. Yeah, I think that's got yeah, right. Yeah. Pogba will want to go to Real Madrid again, and you know, yeah, yeah, something will happen <laughs> during Pogba's four-month injury, where he's he's just at weddings dancing like a madman. Yeah. yeah. Do you, Steve? Do you actually think Madison's going to end up at United, whether or not it's this season? I think he's he's got to he's going to have to go at some point. Um, I think he's a he's a really talented guy. Um, yeah. so I think he's got to go and I'd much rather him go there than some of the other places I think Chelsea are loaded up now so I think they're going to be done they got a, a ton of great young new players it looks like um, so hopefully he goes to Man U if he's going to go somewhere yeah. Liverpool makes a lot of sense maybe not on a budget spectrum but kind of a more ambitious center midfielders I think kind of a, well, a big hole in their team there's some good ones and then yeah. Where do you see the top four rankings? And then I'll ask you where's Leicester going to finish because I don't think they're. I don't think they're, they're not connected. seven through thirteen. Mutually exclusive. Yeah. I think the top four is really hard to call right now. Um, We've had a variety of responses in our other interviews. Arsenal's been as high as two, so feel free to slot them in there. That's Stuff just lunacy. That is just <laughs> lunacy. It wasn't even an Arsenal fan. It wasn't even an Arsenal fan. <laughs> Um, I, my gut says Man City I think Pep okay, is going to okay. whip them into a frenzy Liverpool will drop off because they won last year I just I think it's really difficult to sustain um, in the league this competitive um, mm-hmm. so my gut says Man City won I really like what Frank Lampard is doing at Chelsea I think there's some there's some real brilliance there with the players that he's bought and the young players that he brought through I think there's some brilliance there so my gut says Man City, Chelsea, Liverpool, Man U is kind of where I'm at. Wow. Um, Spurs and Arsenal will be scrapping in there for fifth and sixth. And I think it will be a more competitive top six this year, is my sense. I, I think you know Arsenal were, were abnormally bad and they will, they will be better than they, they were. I think um, Arteta's got a good thing going. He's bringing some pride back to that club. I think Spurs will either be in there or they'll be a disaster because Marino is just the most ridiculous ways, human yeah. being ever to, to do the job, I think. Yeah. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see where they go. But I do like the business he's done in the window. I, I think there's some interesting, good, solid signings there that I think that club needed. Wolves are silently retooling and not selling their best players. So 
Keeping um, Jimenez was huge for them, and Traore, I suppose. But and they just signed a thirty-five yeah. million striker as like a deputy or something. So oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. With with Mendez like leading them all the way to all these you know, good players. Exactly. Anyway. exactly. Uh, so I, I think the, the Arsenal Spurs Leicester Wolves thing, you know, between kind of four and eight, will be an interesting, an interesting you know battle. Sheffield United sure, will sure. drop off, and but I think that's kind of the core group. But I and Everton. Everton could be really not so much. Really, <laughs> after after the summer they're having, Ancelotti. I just don't believe. All right. I mean, look how far, look how far that that poor guy's dropped from scoring a wonder goal in the World Cup and being thought of as the next best thing. He's yeah, at Everton. Yeah. I, well, you may be right, but I have to say I'm excited to be able to see it firsthand how he how it's- he does. It's fun that you can say we think we think that there's nine teams that could be fighting for all of the European places, not Champions League only, but all the European places. It injects a level of pressure into every game. I think that's something that really I loved and really gravitated towards the Premier League versus you know the American sports system. Is if you're an NBA fan, you got to finish in the top 16 out of 30 teams to make the playoffs. You got to right? be average, yeah. Yeah, you got to be average, and so you average isn't good enough, and every game has weight. Obviously, the media makes it feel like it's got a little bit more weight than it ever really does, but that's that's part of the fun of it. You know, every single week you got to show up, and if you don't, there's real season-long consequences to that. You know, so yeah, it's, like, it's like when you think about the German league. You, you know, there's like three games of consequence, um, and I think yeah, the Premier yeah. League is just not like that, which is which is what is really good. But it's hard. I mean, it's a it's a it's a hard league to play in. You know, because wherever you go, you're playing against you know good tough teams and so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really I, I think there's a lot of good things to look forward to yeah. in, in the next year for sure Liverpool were undone by the uh, the relegated Watford this year they were the one that broke the unbeaten run so yeah. I mean, it's just any anything can happen nothing made Arsenal James happier down. nothing made yeah. James happier <laughs> yeah I mean for for Pat it, it's all about things we can hang on to for me it's Liverpool haven't won the treble and City haven't won the treble for Patrick it's He's got the Invincibles, and, yeah. and that's something to hang on to. Well, is yours goal? That is a fleeting memory, though, my friend. I struggle to see and to remember back to that one. So I'm watching those old grainy YouTube videos just through my tears after every match. It's beautiful. It's all yeah. up for grabs now. Yeah. <laughs> well, Steve, yeah, this is this yeah, has been ahead. really awesome. Thanks so much for the time. I I think there's. T- there's two ways we're going to have you back on the podcast this season. And to your point, it's Leicester is in a relegation battle or they're, they're up there and in about top four. So Fingers we look forward, to, the right we look forward to either, either uh, eventuality. Well, thank you guys. I, it's going to be great to see. And I'm, I'm really excited to see what man you get up to this year. I'm just hopeful that there's a, a rebound in fortunes and, and maybe even for those gooners that we can see whether there's something positive well, at the end well, of that rainbow. I'll tell you Why what, not? Steve. We have Man United and Arsenal roundtable episodes coming out on Prem de la Prem. You can you can check them both out and and find out all the takes. I, I will be <laughs> listening in eagerly um, to, to those two. <laughs> all right. Thanks so much, Steve. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thanks. Go, go, go.